You are listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. For more information about the Pursuit of Manliness or find out about the herd, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. Men, we are once again out in the garage, and we ended last week looking at Judah stepping up and saying, hey, I made a promise, I want to deliver on that promise, and uh, that, that must have impressed Joseph, because he reveals himself to his brothers, and um, then he's going to provide for his family, he's going to take care of them. We are going to, uh, today, go 45 to 48, okay, so 45, 46, 47, we'll stop at 48. Um, I'm not going to read hardly any of this. I'm going to do this probably a little bit different, uh, but yet similar. So that made no sense, I understand. So if you're if you're watching this for the first time or you're checking out Out in the Garage on Fridays, you're like, well, what's this about? Uh, every Friday, uh, we do Out in the Garage where I just walk through a portion of Scripture. Uh, typically, it's a chapter at a time. Uh, but i got to be honest with you. Um, I'd like to get to Exodus at some point. We've been in Genesis a long time. Not that that's a bad thing. I don't read it to you. Um, you could you can hopefully read if not uh, there's some some websites and stuff that will certainly play it to you so I'd encourage you to get in the word yourself I'm just trying to walk through it give us some application uh, I, I know in this text I'm gonna share uh, my story with you guys this certainly is not about me but I like to when when the opportunity's right maybe that's the way to say it when the opportunity's right to kind of share my story uh, be a little transparent with you guys and hopefully that gives us a little more understanding of one another but also uh, gives us uh, some hope, um, gives us another understanding of, of how God works or, or what, he, what He's doing uh, in our lives. Or maybe there's a stirring taking place with you and you don't really understand it. You say, man, this just doesn't make sense. Um, yeah, I've been there. And, and, and I think we enter those places uh, as we journey through life. I will say this, next Friday, so what is that? Friday, November 25th, um, there will not be an out in the garage on that. This is a a weird week, and they got a short week next, and and so uh, we'll not be an out in the garage. Uh, but uh, the plan is there will definitely be an interview on Monday, and the goal is a quiet life on Wednesday. So we'll, we'll do that. Uh, Genesis chapter forty-five. Joseph's going to reveal himself to his brothers. He got to tell them who he is. He's got to tell them, you know, hey, go back and get the rest of the family. Come on, I can take care of you, um, because God had given uh, uh, Pharaoh those dreams. Because uh, Joseph was brought out of Pharaoh's prison uh, and interpreted those dreams because God had, you know, worked through him to do that. He's saved the lives of a lot of people. And so he's going to save the life of his family. Now, if his family stays where they're living, uh, they're going to die. They're running out of food. And, and Joseph, uh, through God, had the foresight to say, uh, we need to save up seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And uh, they, are, they are well in the famine. The plenty's over. And so now they've entered the famine. Genesis chapter 45, verse 5. Joseph says this to his brothers before they're, they're about to go home and get the rest of the family. He says, And do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you uh, to preserve life. It goes on to verse 7. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. Now, let's let's go back. If you know the story of Joseph, if you don't, man, go back on these out in the garage. That's, that's what we're trying to do. Joseph had had the dream when he was a young man that at some point his brothers and his mother and father were going to bow down to him. Don't don't try that. Don't try that around the kitchen table. Like, I had this dream last night. 
that uh, you are my servants. Uh, that, that's not going to go well. Well, it didn't go well for Joseph either. Uh, what made matters worse was his father had shown him favoritism uh, amongst the rest of the brothers. Uh, his father had shown uh, Rachel, his favorite wife, yeah, he had four total. Uh, he had showed her favoritism, so she bore him uh, Joseph eventually. And then after that, we're, we'll get down to Benjamin. So, and Joseph's repeating uh, the family recipe of showing favoritism. He had showed favoritism to Benjamin. So when this happens, life is pretty good for Jacob. There's, there's, it's not easy, but it's good. There, there's been some challenges. Um, he's got a father-in-law that's a mess. Um, you know, he's got tension with his brother. Uh, he's got the whole deal where they, they rape Dinah and his sons convince um, uh, some people to get circumcised to come in and they just pillage the camp while everyone's recovering from that. Uh, he's got some mess. We all got mess, right? Everyone's got mess. There, there, there's no family that doesn't have some mess, complications, some, some quirkiness, whatever. Well, Jacob's got it. Some point, Jacob has a wrestling match with God and God changes his name to Israel. I'm going to keep my promise to your father Isaac. I'm going to keep my promise to your grandfather Abraham. You're going to be a great nation, a great people, all these things. Well, when he doesn't act like Israel, he's called Jacob. And when he acts like a nation, he's called Israel. And we're not done with Jacob yet. We'll get to him in two weeks when we get back to this and we wrap up uh, the book of Genesis. I tell you all that to get to this point. Life does not always go the way that you think it's going to go. Life does not always go according to plan. You can set goals. You can set measurables. You can define a win. You can bring in consultants. You can bring in you know, marketing managers and insiders and all these people that can kind of read the room. And you can take personality tests. And you can do all these things to find out what are the... What are the measurables? What's the return on my investment here? If I exert energy here, then I should be able to see this here. And if anything, the last couple of years have proven no, that's not the case. Life does not go the way that we think it should go. It's not going to go that way for Jacob. It hasn't gone that way for Joseph by any means. Uh, and it hasn't gone that way for the rest of his brothers either, who find themselves in a, a bit of peril here, finding out that, okay, this guy who is our brother that we thought was dead, that we sold into slavery... Uh, he's now in charge, and our life is in his hands. They're going to have to go home and have some explaining to do. Well, when Joseph sends them away, he tells them, "Don't bicker, man. Don't don't do don't do what you do." Okay. Uh, some people just never change, and he tells them, "Don't do that." For the love of all that is good in your life, can you just get home, get the family? Yes, I get it. it's going to be uncomfortable. Man, I'm not holding that grudge against you. I'm telling you, load them up. Let's go. Let's move on. Let's get on with this. Well, we get into Genesis 48 and on. Um, they don't move on from it. Some people cannot do that. I don't. It's not in their DNA. I just I don't know how. Some people cannot. They just cannot get out of the way of themselves. And that's what happens to Joseph's brothers. They just cannot get out of the way of themselves. Joseph says... Just get home and then get right back. I'm going to provide a land for you. I'm going to speak highly uh, to Pharaoh for you. I'm going to take care of you guys. I'm going to get you the right spot in the right place uh, because really you have no business being here. I'm going to make sure that you are well taken care of. So they get home and, and they come back. Nothing has gone according to plan. I guarantee you when Jacob left home after he tricked his father to get the blessing from Esau, this is not how the way he, way he saw it going down. I know when he went to work for his, uh, his, his what, what was eventually his father-in-law, that when he said, I want to marry Rachel, and he brought out Leah, uh, what happened? That did not go according to plan. 
And then working all those years to get Rachel, and then Rachel can't have children, but Leah can, the maidservants can. I mean, nothing's gone according to plan. Believing for a long period of time that your son was torn to shreds by some kind of wild beast, not according to plan. All the bickering and all the problems, Dinah being raped, and again, all, all the things that you see going on, nothing according to plan. And I'm sure when you look at your life, and you consider the landscape of it right now, and you look back, and you consider what could be ahead, you would say, not gone according to plan. There have been some things that, boy, that was good. That was a good thing, but not according to plan. God says, I know, because I have a greater plan. And sometimes I need you to wander through the wilderness a bit. Sometimes I need you to get you in that land between. You're not where you were, and you're not where you're going to be. And if I don't get you through that place, uh, there will be character that isn't developed. There will be things that you'll be lacking, and you're not ready for the promised land. You're not ready for the land flowing with milk and honey. I know, but I want milk and honey. And so when you're not ready for milk and honey, what do you do? You say, send me back to Egypt. Now, I know I'm using all my material before I get to Exodus. However, I know in my own life, I lived in a little town in Iowa, felt called to ministry. I wrestled with that because not, not the best eloquent speaker, didn't like being in front of people, didn't like attention, um, didn't feel like I knew that much about the Bible, I definitely never led a ministry or anything like that, and I felt called to ministry. I remember telling my wife, I remember telling my father-in-law, I believe I met with him. I don't, I don't know all the variables there, but there was a church in Illinois that, that, that called us to say, hey, we'd like to talk to you about being in ministry. I'd sent out some resumes. What do you put on a resume when you've got no experience? And there was a church. I said, we want you to come here. And my brother-in-law was about 20 miles away, and he was killing it. He was killing it. And I know what they thought. They thought, We'll, if we get one of their family members, we too can you know, crush it over here. And I remember telling them at some point, like, um, it's by marriage, not by blood. Okay, And they weren't lording that over me by any means. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm kind of ex exaggerating that a bit. But um, God really did lead us to that place. And here we are serving in a church. We have no experience. I mean, I, I, you, you fake it till you make it. There wasn't even not even any faking it because uh, I just didn't know what I was doing. I really, and I just try my best. You do your best to try not to drown, right? You just keep going. We really felt a strong nudge to children's ministry. We really did. We said, man, that's where God's calling us. But in that church, we did everything. So almost like an internship. After a period of time, we went to a church in Salem. We served there. And um, one of the best decisions that ever happened to us. But again, I had told that church no a few times when they, when they extended the offer. Hey, would you come talk to us about doing our children's ministry? I said, no, no, no. Three times. Finally, one night I'm laying in bed. I said, God, if you want me to go to that church, have that lead pastor send me an email. The next day I got up early in the morning, which is rare for me, got to the office, checked my email. I think it was Hotmail back then. And uh, I'll be, lo and behold, there's an email from that pastor. He said, your name came up again last night. My wife calls me like on her lunch break or something. I said, yeah, we're going, we, we need to talk. And so I told her we went to that place. Boy, God just really went before us there. But that wasn't easy to leave our first church, the church that took a risk on us where we had no experience zero. So here we're at this other church and we're serving. Through the course of time, I'm fast forwarding the events here, through the course of time there was a couple of larger churches that were asking us to come and serve there. As a, a fairly normal male who was married with children, that was pretty rare in the children's ministry world. I don't know what it's like today, but um, so we got called often. Both really good churches. Told them no. Told them no both places. And there was churches all the time calling. 
But one of the churches we went to is down in Louisville, Kentucky, one of the largest churches in the country. They were planting a campus, the first campus, and we ended up going there. And every move is hard. And so here we are living down around Louisville, Kentucky. We weren't in Louisville, but it's, it's a, where we're living is a big area. So and you got to cut your teeth. We don't know people. We have no friends. You know, we have, and, um, and you just, again, you just try to tread water. You try to figure some things out. So we get there and we serve and fast forward again. That church in Salem is looking for a pastor, a youth pastor. I'm not a youth pastor, but looking for a youth pastor. One of my best friends in the world, one of the best people I've ever met is on staff there. And I thought, I get to work with that guy? Oh, I'm in. My wife didn't feel called back there, and so I really had a hard time with that. So I had to tell him no. The same day I told him no, a church in Iowa, uh, I find out about who's look. I thought, that's it. We're going to move back to Iowa. They are going to bury me in the black soil of Iowa. They was in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I said, don't know anything about it. I'll, you know, I'll, I'm interested. So the, through the course of conversation, we leave southern Indiana down by Louisville, and we go back to Iowa, and I thought, this is it. This is it. They're, they're, we're done. I'm tired of moving. I'm tired of the calls, God, like moving us and uprooting and selling a house, buying a house, selling a house, finding a bank, grocery store, no volunteers, trying to build a ministry, trying to learn a staff, learn a staff culture, learn a church culture. I'm tired. And after a period of time, God made it obvious, I'm calling you away from that place. I thought, you cannot be serious. I thought, I'm fine with that. Just don't move me to a big place. That's one thing my wife and I could agree on. We do not want to live in a, a big city. No. And we're in Indianapolis. Now, I know there's not 15 million people in Indianapolis. I've learned that lesson. And I knew that. However... It is, I think, the 15th largest city in America. I don't know how many cities America has. I could be wrong on that. But I remember us Googling it in uh, on a fall, spring break one time just to see, like, how big is that city? It's up there. It's a pretty decent-sized city. And I thought, you have got to be kidding me. I didn't realize. Now, we're not, we're not downtown ministry, but I didn't realize we're coming back to a city. I thought, God, what are we doing? And the night before, two huge U-Haul trucks made their way to Indianapolis and rolled in town at 5 p.m., which was a terrible... I didn't know. I didn't plan. I didn't know about all that. I'm laying in the basement, on a bed, in a basement, of my friend Tim Scott's house. I'm looking at the ceiling, and I can hear his wife and my wife laughing and talking. And my, Our kids got along. Tim and I got along well. I mean, just lifelong friends. And I looked at that ceiling, and I said, God, what are you doing? We got everything we need. If I'm not going to serve at that church, I'll go work somewhere else. I'll go to Costco. I'll, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I, we have everything we need. We don't want to live in a city. We're not cut out for that. I don't, I don't do exits and roundabouts, and I don't do that. I, I do the turn right at McDonald's guy. That's about. I, I, I mean, I thought, what are you doing? Is this really where you're leading us? And I truly felt like in that moment, God say. If you don't move, I can't do what I need to do. Now, I want you to know, I'm, not, I'm never going to hinder God. As if I stayed, God said, well, then I can't. I felt like God was telling me, you need to move. And when that happens, then I will be able to do the things that I need to do. What does that look like? I really don't know. I can tell you now, six years plus beyond that, there have been some things that have happened in my life. That would not have happened had I stayed right there. I know that. 
Tim and his family and all that, still, still good friends. The pastor friend in Illinois, still a good friend. All the relationships, I mean, the relationships I made through those journeys, I'm so thankful for them. And I talk about that when you inventory your life. But I think about some of the things that had transpired, and I think those opportunities would not have presented themselves if I stayed. Now, hear me say this. It has been really hard. It has been really hard uh, in a lot of different ways. It's just been hard. But it also has been very rewarding. There have been things that have happened here. There have been things that happened specifically to our family. That wouldn't have happened had we stayed where we were at. There are friends we've made here that we would not have had had we stayed where we're at. I tell you all that to say oftentimes God's desire is to move you. It may not be a physical move like you sell your house and go somewhere else. It might be to move you spiritually. It might be to move you relationally. Now, I'm not telling you to hear this. I'm not saying he's calling you to leave your wife and kid. No. What I'm saying is there may be some friendships or relationships that'll be severed or, you know, um, what do you call that? Pruned in your life. I don't know. I think God moves you emotionally. I think God moves us at times financially. God's desire, when you look at Scripture, is to move people. First of all, He moves you spiritually. We're going to get you right spiritually. There's going to be a stirring that's going to take place that will, that will cause an unsettled spirit to say, Boy, God is really churning something up in me here. I don't know what it is, but I'm uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable for a long time. I didn't know what it was. I thought I had some ideas. God said, just let me do this, okay? He's, he's going he's gonna to move you, uh, again, physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, all for his glory. He doesn't move you away from him. He doesn't move you away from godly people. He doesn't move you away from accountability or small groups or worship. So don't, don't try to, I'm not, I'm not buying what you're selling for you guys that will say, hey, wait, nope, nope, he's not doing that. He moves you towards health, but it will be difficult. There will be challenges. There will be times it absolutely does not go the way that you think it should go, but you will be better for it. There have been seasons in our life as a family unit, me, my wife, and now my three kids, where we didn't have anybody else. And I don't mean that like poor, no. I mean, we did not have anyone else. You will figure out how to be a better husband and father when you don't have extra people to depend on, to watch your kids, to have a date night. You'll figure it out. We have some traditions and things, some things we do here. You know where they were birthed out of? They were birthed out of seasons where you didn't have anybody else. Where we desperately needed those relationships. I want to encourage you to check that out. Ask yourself, is God moving me? And if so, what does that look like? Amen? I'll talk to you in a bit. Once again, thank you for listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you would, make sure you visit iTunes and leave a five-star review. Again, for more information or find out more information about The Herd, visit thepursuitofmanliness.com.